Shake plum, tree branch, fall late, summer plum, roll, repose of ever in remnant prairie, the one where you know all the birds. If you write a poem, you know or knew all the birds by name. Someone beyond the scrim of plums says, I don't want to play that macho game anymore. You're listening to a Scottish Poetry Library podcast. Hello, my name is Jennifer Williams. I am the Programme Manager at the Scottish Poetry Library and I am delighted today to be sitting in the Scottish Poetry Library with another American poet, also another Shearsman poet, which is very nice. Linda Russo is the author of two books of poetry, Mirth, uh, out with Chax Press and Meaning to Go to the Origin in Some Way, and a collection of literary geographical essays the title of which is To Think of Her Writing A Wash in Light, which is a kind of poem in and of itself. It's so beautiful. Uh, selected by John Degata mm-hmm. as winner of the Subito Press Lyric Essay Prize. Participant, winner of the Bess Miller Brigham Poets Prize, uh, which is through Lost Rose Press, is forthcoming. Scholarly essays have appeared in Among Friends, Engendering the Social Site of Poetry with the University of Iowa Press, and other edited collections, and as the preface of Joanne Kiger's About Now Collected Poems with the National Poetry Foundation. She lives in the Columbia River watershed, which, as she was just explaining to me, is on the eastern, sounds like the eastern edge of Washington State in the USA, um, and apparently is very near to another wonderful poet we had a year or so ago, Robert Wrigley, who actually lives in Iowa, but just on the other side of the border. So that's a nice connection, Mm -hmm. because it sounds to me like you both have something in common, which is being very interested in the natural world and how it relates to words and poetry as well. Mm -hmm. So that'll be one of the things I think we'll be talking about a bit. It would be lovely to start off with, just to maybe jump right in and hear a poem, and then we can talk a little bit more about all these exciting ideas. So I will start with, oh, I'll start with one of the poems uh, from Meaning to Go to the Origin in Some Way. And this one is called Going to Survey Walmart Construction from the Crest of Pioneer Hill. It begins with walking feet mucked by competing agendas, and a wish to speak as a part and parcel, a rare cow parsnip community, part of a history of embattlement, of space being filled, a well-preserved remnant of Idaho fesky grasslands, where walking is merely civil, and walking is compromised, still the largest remnant of natural polluted vegetation, citizenry, I wish to invoke freely a culture of interspecies inhabitants, valuable thickets of Douglas Hawthorne, conflicts resolved, powers balanced. Sometimes it takes less than a minute. Magpie Forest, Rose Creek, Smooth Hill Farm. You hitch up your bird wings, hoping. 
I keep wanting to, I, it feels very, having some of your poems in front of me, very clear to me that the way they sit on the page is especially important. Of course, mm -hmm. it's always important with a poem, usually, but mm -hmm. uh, there are certain lines, I feel like sharing this because people probably, unless they have your book in front of them, are, don't mm -hmm. necessarily, won't necessarily know this, um, certain lines are indented and italicized, um, and it feels like these lines are very specifically to do with place. So mm -hmm. I maybe want to ask you to talk a little bit about that right away. It's interesting to me how right away you can see that right. location is almost, or something about place is literally affecting the way words are sitting on the page right. here. Right, well, originally this was a separate poem. Actually, it's, it appears in the book again, a listing of, it's called Police Places. So a rare cow parsnip community, a well-preserved remnant of Idaho fescue grasslands. Um, you know, and often when we think about a place and we look online and we see a list of, you know, natural reserves, right? Places where you can go and see nature. And it's not that way when you actually look out at the landscape. What you're looking at is very fragmented. So you have this community, Cal Parsnip community over there, and you have the Douglas Hawthorne over there. Like, um, so I kind of wanted the poem to feel as though you were walking through or in a place, rather than thinking abstractly about the place. So it's easy to kind of put pieces, places back together, the pieces that we've made of places back together when we think about them abstractly. But while I was writing this book, um, they were building a Walmart in Pullman, you know, eight miles away from the Walmart in Idaho, Moscow, Idaho, and um, I would on my walk, I would go to the crest of the hill I look on, I live on rather, and I would look out and I would see it being built. So it was really forcing me to think about how we think about space um, because it, it was a prairie and then it was a um, farmland and now it's a Walmart parking lot. So it's just really interesting for me to think about the place I am um, becoming, a, becoming an inhabitant of a place. I've lived there about eight years now. So the book was part of my becoming, like an inhabitant of that place and getting a sense of like, uh, what, what is this place I'm walking into and what's here and what's changing and how do I think about that change? And is it, uh, it's, so it's got a special name, this place, the Palouse, mm -hmm. is that what it's called? And yeah. is that because it is a kind of special, is it, well, if there's Walmart being built, it doesn't sound too protected, but is it right. kind of protected in some well, way? No, it's not. I mean, the, um, the Palouse, uh, it, the word describes the region geographically of um, actually very deep uh, soil, volcanic soils from, and, uh, you know, and now it's farmland, and it's all farm. It's mostly wheat and um, uh, chickpeas and lejeunes, mm. and um, so when, when, if you Googled the Palouse, you would see pictures of rolling wheat that just, just stretch on for miles and miles and miles. Mm -hmm. And it actually just describes a, you know, a region that crosses the state boundary. Okay. So I'm going to read a poem now Great. that um, I wrote recently. I'm going to be um, collaborating with a, a woman in, in uh, Idaho, near where I live, Moscow, Idaho, to take in a walking, uh, a walk that she designed for this landscape. So um, I was there and I wrote a poem. She designed a walk. It's called the Palouse Walk, and you could, you could 
Google it if you want to visit her website, and she's designed a, a walk through the uh, immediate landscape at the, it's called the Palouse Clearwater Environmental Institute, and um, she wants to encourage people to pay attention to landscape and then to write, write poems, and so I, so I wrote a poem for the Palouse Walk, and it's called Admitted in a Patch of Rewilded Prairie in the Magic Plum Grove Tunnel. Wild plums and many birds plus one cottontail to center and make large, where green foliage and a few small dry summer plums still hung where many more lay, where they fell. I picked one up, I ate and spit the pip. Our California quail lined up along a fallen log, small leaps, bubbly chirps, their short legs that scissor when, with grace of small bones, they cubby and bevy and clamber at the edge of the trail where larger creatures can't pass. They withdraw, kneel and uncoil under sky canopy, shake plum, tree branch, fall late summer plum, roll, repose of ever in remnant prairie, the one where you know all the birds, if you write a poem, you know, or knew, all the birds by name. Someone beyond the scrim of plums says, I don't want to play that macho game anymore. Admitted in a patch of rewilded prairie. Is that a real, so that is a real place, or is? The plum grove. Uh -huh. yeah. Oh, it sounds wonderful. Yeah, all these plum trees <laughs> that are arching over, and you could walk through it, and you wow. count, you know, you're in this, suddenly in this very different habitat that's very welcoming to all these small creatures. And um, I was in that, um, I was just really drawn to take some notes and just sort of really absorb what, just paying attention to what was happening as I was there and um, you know, what, what was I thinking, what was I feeling, what was I seeing, what, but what was happening in that place. And walking is a large part because it allowed, exposes me to things and allows me to think about things and um, I don't really compose as I walk. Mm. Um, I mean, it's hard for me to remember like more than two lines in my head at a time. I'm much more of a note taker um, and then an assembler or a reassembler. Um, and I do research too. I mean, there's a lot of research in this book. It's not, it's not just the thoughts I had while I was writing, but it was what I learned, um, what I, you know, I think of poetry as an inquiry. You, you know, there's something I want to find out and I'm, it's not all empirical. You know, I have to do research and I, I'm pulling, uh, not, you know, information, knowledge about it place where I am. So there's a lot of that in the book too. Mm -hmm. You also have been writing lyric essays and you're working on an essay project at the moment. And do you feel that, uh, I'm not only sure that everyone knows what a lyric essay mm. is mm -hmm. exactly. It's probably a hard thing to kind of say what it is. It, yeah. it feels to me like it's quite, one of the wonderful things about it is it, it's quite open, but do you consider it part of your poetic practice or does it cross over? When I think of my poetic practice, I think of well, what are the things I do that contribute to poesis as I'm making of poems? And I don't think of, I mean, I think the lyric essay is poetic, but um, 
you know, I guess I'd have to describe my, you know, poetic practice as a large area. And mm -hmm. when I'm over here, you know, I'm writing a, a lyric essay, and then I could just move over just a little bit, and I could be writing a more scholarly essay, and I could move over a little bit and be writing personal essays. So there's like, yeah. And and interesting that sense. I guess that's where I, I become really interested in that way that the if you're someone for whom you know inquiry and research is an important part of your poem making as well that I'm, I'm curious about when poems are almost like a poem and an essay at the same time mm -hmm. um, because I think in the way that an essay is in its sort of original sense itself a kind of walking into the unknown or yeah. an exploration I, I, I think I love that idea that a a poem could be just as useful a form for that kind of exploration as what people might think an essay is or prose might be. Yeah, yeah, I like that idea too. So there's a series of poems that um, are threaded through the book as well, which I call the She Said Poems, and they're in the voice, the she is, is my mother, um, who wrote to me about this Columbia Basin pygmy rabbit who she had read an article about the last wild Columbia Basin pygmy rabbit and, and said um, she thought I would understand this rabbit for some reason. Because I had walked in her paths and I wasn't sure what she meant, but um, I started thinking about this rabbit. And my mother was writing, you know, and what she was saying to me about this rabbit. And uh, so there's a poems, there are a series of poems titled She Said or Then She Said in the table of contents, so, um, and they're just little things. So here's, um, I think there's seven or eight of them in the book. She said, I think you also care because you have walked in her paths, sagebrush, sage grouse, grasses and forbs, sage sparrows and Washington ground squirrels, forbs, the flowers of the grasslands. Last little rabbit, her confusion and loneliness, her worn-out, angry eyes. I think that idea of the last of us issues is such a, yeah. it's so kind of heartbreaking, isn't it? That if any, any species is becoming extinct, there's bound to be a last one. The thing about the Coney Basin pygmy rabbit is that there are a lot of pygmy rabbits all around the western mm -hmm. United States, and um, so they can, there are still a lot of pygmy rabbits, but in this particular um, region, they're not there anymore. And the pygmy rabbit really allowed me to get down into the dirt with the end in, into the terrain with the pygmy rabbit. And what is this? What is this habitat that this rabbit needs? You know, the sagebrush, they eat the sagebrush, um, and the sage grouse and the grasses and forbs. And it really allowed me to um, give names to these habitats um, that I otherwise wouldn't have had. I didn't, know what, I didn't know what a forb was. I didn't know that the squirrels we have are Washington ground squirrels. I didn't know, you know about sage sprouts or sage grouse. Um, so in one sense, you know, there's the, her, the worn out angry eyes of this rabbit that's the last wild female rabbit. But you know, I'm, I'm allowed to see through those eyes or and, you know, I'm right through those eyes. And, um, so maybe there's, a, I don't want to say there's a trade-off there, but
but um, I guess I just want to say that by really paying attention to the kind of information the environment was giving me or the information my mother was giving me, um, at the same time, the university where I work was doing a genetic project to um, hybridize the, this Columbia Basin Pig Rabbit with an Idaho Pig Rabbit to try to fortify the gene pool so the rabbit didn't go extinct, but then whenever they let the rabbit back out into the wilderness, it wouldn't survive. And so for me, the rabbit speaks about as an intersection of all these energies and intentions and you know and they're all good you know they're all you know we're all you know you know well okay they're not all good because there's a reason the rabbit's going extinct um it's because of habitat loss so but i guess the rabbit for me is not simply a figure to grieve over although yes you know yes we grieve over it but it's a figure through which we see how um you know interconnected we are or how um, it's a site through which a lot of different uh, vectors pass uh, interests desires um, and everyone you know I'm hoping you know when people learn about the pygmy rabbit um, it helps them maybe see other species that they care about not just as the, the isolated you know animal that's going extinct but as a part of a larger context in which you know, humans are doing things and, and environments are changing and um, what, what do people, what do we do, you know, what do we do with our, our empathy for those animals? You know, sometimes I can really feel like a dead end for us humans. What do we do with that grief? You know, what do we do with that empathy? And so, um, for not, well, the answer for me was to make the poem and to care about the place, you know, as best I can, both in my daily life or, you know, as an inhabitant of my bioregion or, you know, as in the poem, and the, you know. And then, of course, I, you know, I walk away from the poem and I continue to live my life, but the poem never leaves me. Or the poems, you know, the poets who helped me write the poem, too, you know, the poets who taught me to see place like Marie Niedeker has been a really important poet to me just to help me kind of like see what's in a place and how it changes and, and how my life kind of fits into that too. I was curious to know a little bit about how you came to poetry and found poetry and that question of you, you don't, don't have to have a list of names but yeah. if there were poets that opened certain certain avenues up to you yeah. in this world? Well, I guess the short list would be, you know, people who seem most present to me now are, um, you know, American poets Lauren Niedeker and uh, Larry mm -hmm. Eidner um, and uh, Joanne Kiger um, and um, Gary Snyder's become, I guess, more important to me as kind of a poet thinker than an actual you know, poet on the page, poet, but, um, and I came to poetry, I think the same reason a lot of people come to poetry is because I wanted to ex express things, I wanted to externalize things, I wanted to have a place where I could see what I was thinking and feeling, but, you know, reading, you know, these poets, 
and other, other poets too kind of just showed me that, um, you know, I live in a world and there's that too. Like, I don't, don't think I'm the most interesting subject. <laughs> What's important, I think, is cultivating that space. It's your poem, it's your practice. Um, you know, and if you want to write about, if you want to process those those feelings, or or if you you know you want to kind of escape from them, I mean, um, it's all good. And you know, it is over, it is overwhelming. I mean, I think um, I mean, there's a lot of poets right now who are really paying attention in different ways to climate change and specific you know, problems in different places and doing really beautiful, wonderful work and why? <laughs> you know, I mean why aren't we giving up hope? I mean, the the thing is that when I when I read so much wonderful work by other poets, since I read primarily poets, um, but it, you know, it just gives me it gives me hope. And we need that. I don't know yet your whole uh, body of work, but is there always nature in your in your work? Yeah, it's more it's more um, this book, you know, meaning to go to the origin. Some way, in my next book, participant, are very much arise out of um, my development of a um, sensitivity to my place and my environment. Um, there's a lot of listening in the poems. Before that, I was. You know, my, my first book is much more involved with um, gender and culture and identity and, and um, all the, uh, you know, um, messages we get about who we are and, you know, who we should be. And, and uh, I think of my books as, and then I have a manuscript that hasn't been published, kind of sits between those, which is, you know, very, very much an exploration of domestic space and reading and... Um, the dictionary and language. Um, so I guess you know the, the answer is no. I mean I haven't. I mean I, I you know I think of these two books as being in placed, situated, um, and paying attention to what's in the immediate environment. And in my case, that happens to be a natural you know more natural environment because mm -hmm. I, live, I live in the country. I live in a very rural area. Um, but I think for me the key word is that um, where what are you paying attention to? Right? Are you paying attention to language? Well, I mean, you're always paying attention to language, but I mean, like, what is your what is your inquiry? And mine was place. What is it to be in this place? What is it to live in this? To be an inhabitant of this place? And so those two books took shape around that. I think, yeah. So earlier, I mean, I wouldn't I wouldn't necessarily have used that language of what is my inquiry, but I could look back and see that yeah, I was I was working through different issues. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And has writing this book affected the way you experience your environment now? I guess I would have to say yes, but I don't know. <laughs> Maybe if I didn't write it, I, I mean, I'm pretty, I'm pretty hypersensitive, I think, you know, and writing the book probably, I think, cultivated a sensitivity to certain things, and um, yeah, it's hard to separate, right? I mean, yeah. You know, who you are from the poems you write. I mean, I think of 
poem poetry is a form of attention, and what am I paying attention to? Does that change? You know, of course it changes because if poetry is a form of attention, then you are kind of changing yourself as you're writing a poem. Yeah. Right? I mean, isn't that you know, isn't that we why we want to um, people to write poems? Right? You teach um, poetry workshops and, and mm -hmm. you write poems, and we want you know to give other people a sense of well, what is it, is it, what is it to write a poem? Mm -hmm. Right? What is that experience? What are you What are you engaging? What comes into that space? Um, and then you can look at it and say, okay, well, is this a part of me? How important is this to me? Is this something I want to keep right thinking about? So, um, and I've I've wanted to keep thinking about it. So, <laughs> I really like that idea because I often I love that. I don't know much about quantum physics, but you know, that, that beautiful idea that us, our act of observation changes the things we look yeah. at, but then yeah. that, that that obviously must come back to us as well, so that we are changed by what we look at, or just a, I feel like some, some thing about what you were saying, you know, that act of making the poem, of course it changes us and affects us in some way that's so beautiful. But it might also change what, what, what do I mean when I say me or self or, you know, what, what do I include in that? Um, and I have a, one of the lines in the poems at the, towards the end of the book, um, by, by my, I mean all that accompanies. Mm -hmm. The book really helped me rethink, I mean, you know, I don't, I don't want to be the dominant human presence in, in any place, because I think that's what gotten us into a lot of trouble in terms of our environment um but by me i mean all that uh, by my i mean all that accompanies this kind of um goes back to the sense of the um the land ethic you know the community of uh what's what's in a place of, um you know a kind of broader thinking by my i mean all that accompanies um, so i don't know how much I change, but I do know I, how I think about I changed. I mean, this must happen to other people all the time. I mean, in turn, you know, just to uh, to go somewhere um, and and feel like all that accompanies, right? What's around you is uh, is you feel the presence of that. I just think sometimes in our busy world, the I, the like oh, yeah. I, the I in the head, the I that has 60 million things to do right. can be very dominant, dominating. Right. And, right. and it's nice actually to think about ways of expanding out from that. In fact, you know, I think it's, it feels to me there's some kind of relief in that idea as well. And it's, it's about things like maybe a meditative walk where yeah. you are looking around you and not just going, I have to do this and this and this experience. Yeah, and yeah it's a constant struggle. <laughs> it's, it's, it, well, it's very stressful, you know, the, the way we've kind of, this, the systems we've created to operate inside as humans or, you know, the poem is one of those things that we've created. But the lovely thing about the poem is that it's so mutable and it's constantly changing and the, you know, poetic form can change, and the way you use language, and um, it's a site of, it can be a, it can be a site of tremendous innovation, and uh, you know that kind of space of freedom. You know, if you can set aside.
Maybe it's a privilege, too, right? Yeah. To have your life kind of structured in such a way that this is a part of what you do, yeah. or who you are. Yeah. You're having to work in a shoe factory for 16 hours a day. Right. But that's not to say that's not to say you're not writing poetry either. I mean, yeah. um, you know, you've got your language, however, you know, it gets written or felt or presenced or, yeah, kind of don't want to privilege the idea of, you know, I wrote a book and this is my accomplishment as like, this means I'm a poet, you know? Perhaps you could leave us with um, a bit more poetry to finish up. So yeah, I'll read, I'll read a poem from the last section of the book, which is called Day Notes on Fields and Forms. Um, and this is a, a journal poem, so it's made of a series of very short poems that are just dated. And that's a poem I learned from Joanne Cochran. Follow the guidelines of garden and yard amongst the things and energies of the world. Some lovely, colorful stacks of books we always knew poetic form as a kind of geography. These small birds, while at hand, not altogether mundane, white and black and yellow, one brightly slow in branches. This is my adventure as a person, anticipating, leaving, and returning, flitting. Scottish Poetry Library podcast. For further information about the Scottish Poetry Library, visit our website at www.scottishpoetrylibrary.org.uk, follow us on Twitter at By Leaves We Live, and find us on Facebook. <laughs>